This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Uh, Well, big feelings can be hard for little kids. We're talking today about how to help children identify and manage their feelings. Our guest is education consultant and parenting coach Joseph Dreesen. He says it's important to create a family culture where children and adults accept and validate the feelings of others. Joseph, always a pleasure. Welcome back to Nine to Noon. Hey, welcome, uh, Catherine. It's wonderful to be here. So let's talk about how this happens within the family. When does a child, gosh, first really begin to grapple with what feelings feel like, other than just crying or giggling or whatever as an infant or, um, you know, communicating that way? When do they first have a concept of feelings? Well, I think it starts when what we call the terrible twos, when children become aware that they have a separate existence from their parents and a separate feeling life. And then when they become involved with those feelings, then they see our reactions and then a dialogue should arise. So a little toddler who is stressed out and throws a massive tantrum, um, from the reactions from the adults, they realize that this is not quite acceptable. And so they, they have to go on to a journey of reflection with the adult and say, well, why are you angry or what's really happening and how can we help you? And so they're starting their journey of becoming self-aware of these emotional stormlets. And then they're also becoming aware of the social reactions of the adults. And that is the critical stage where we either teach them that emotions have a very important part in your life and there's reasons for them which are valid, but how you express them, that needs a little bit more practice. So how do we begin to teach? Well, we begin to teach by actually, it's hard for some adults to actually undo the way we were taught. Um, Because in some families, um, the way to deal with emotions is actually an authoritarian, repressive way. You just, these feelings are wrong. You can't have these feelings. And, 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 and we just don't talk about them. We don't have them. <laughs> and, and so if the adults have that skill set or that innate reactions to feelings, that the best way to deal with feelings is the British upper class, stiff upper lip, just pretend you don't have them, then they'll go away. And then we can go back to normal. That that is a really flawed way of being because emotions do not go away. They just bury themselves like like a sort of an electric emotional capacitor in our brain. We've got a stored amount of energy about anger of the comment or, or what happens, and it's just sitting there if we repress it. And what happens then in those authoritarian families, um, the adults, they all pretend to be nice. But what happens then if somebody happens or they see a television program which triggers that stored anger, that anger then comes out in the most really bizarre ways. They might pick an argument about the dinner or or they they attack a person about their dress code. So all I'm saying is that the adults must actually reflect how do I deal with feelings myself or how – do we have a family culture where actually it's quite authoritarian and repressive and how can I do it better for my children? So that's my first point. The adults must become more aware of their own innate conditioning. And we did come a long time ago, I suppose, from quite an authoritarian culture. 
where we as children or our grand our parents were told by their parents just suck it up and don't talk about it. Where what are we talking about when we are talking about accepting and validating the feelings of others? This is different from someone getting their way, right? How do oh, you how do you show that you have heard and you understand what someone has felt? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with us coaching our little toddlers and how most people actually deal with little toddlers is actually a really clever way of how we do it well. Like the little toddler is overcome by a tantrum in, in the terrible twos and they just roll around in the furies and they're throwing the legal blocks around, etc., etc. And what do we do? Most wise parents, they let that ride for a while, although they would try and prevent the excessive behavior. And, and say, well, you can't throw your blocks, you know. Okay, I don't mind you rolling around and being angry, but you can't throw your blocks. And so we allow the feelings to actually arise and and be, and we accept that. And then when the child is, the storm passes a bit, and, and so they're not in the grip of these emotions, then we open a dialogue with the toddler and say, well, you got really angry, and and why was that? And, and and we validate it. That is, we say, why did you get angry? And you might say, oh, I want to play in the sand pit or I, I wanted my dessert or something like that. That is, we have a discussion and we validate. That's fine to have these emotions. Were you disappointed with what I said or et cetera, et cetera? And then we say to them, well, is there a better way of you expressing this, you know? And And so that's how we start. And good... Great parents do this with toddlers. They validate the feelings. They say it's okay to feel angry and sad or possessive or jealous. That's fine. Uh, but what we do with that, we need to learn a more skillful way. Now, the best way I could demonstrate this to you is actually to – to uh, I went to visit a cousin of mine in England, and they had a very good marriage. And what was really remarkable to me is the way those two adults interacted – uh, when things went wrong and uh, like he made a comment one day and his wife was immediately annoyed by that and he said well I think that's an unfair comment she said because such and such and immediately he apologized he said that was an unfair comment I didn't mean it like that and uh, and so I'm sorry about that that is she valid she said her feelings he validated them and apologized and so they moved on now if she had stormed out slammed the door because of the comment and just put him in the uh, uh, dog box for three months well that would have been completely counterproductive so the key is to actually access the feelings talk about what caused them because what's important for us to realize that actually feelings are animal shorthand to to act appropriately like if somebody is aggressive with you, it's appropriate for you to be angry. And if you're hungry, it's appropriate to feel greedy and want food. And and when you feel loving towards you, towards a person, it's appropriate to express that. But in our complex cognitive society, we have to manage that much more skillfully. So that's what I'm trying to say to the parents, that repression, authoritarian or violence against emotions is wrong. It's just not worth it. It is acceptance of the emotions, but the guiding of the of the of the actions. There's another reason where parents have to why parents have to watch their own reaction, isn't it? It's not only the modelling and the teaching of how to do things; it's that children actually really need adults to be 
moderate and calm. I mean, no one's perfect. We've all experienced the blow-ups, but but they have a need for an overwhelming um, environment where typically the grown-ups are the ones who calm things. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, Catherine, that we, we can all lose it a bit. And, and that's nothing wrong with that when the, when the children see us becoming a little bit irritated and annoyed or a little bit sad. That's fine. They can cope with that. But when we become immoderately angry or immoderately sad, when we burst into tears in front of our toddlers and cry and cry, they their little world is rocked because they think we are sort of perfect giants, you know, we know what we're doing and they need that. So so we model to them, our modeling of our own emotional response is that we don't deny that we're a little bit annoyed and we might say, look, that really annoyed me, you know what I mean? And I'm a little bit irritated about that, but let's try and move forward. So they see, okay, this is how my mom reacts to when she is angry. And so some, but some people, of course, are we all different. Neuro, neurologically, we're all different. So the research shows that some of us feel emotions very, very intensely. And then we try and release that energy of the emotions, often through talking or crying or yelling or slamming doors. We do that ourselves. And some people find it much harder to be emotionally calm. And, and they need to really think, would it help me to go into some kind of yoga system or, or mindfulness or, or go to a counselor and talk about my own emotions? Because the stable professional adult who is actually on deck all day and sees their family as sort of a professional endeavor, like I'm a team leader of a team, that professionalism and stability really gives the children security. Let's talk about the major kinds of feelings that will be experienced by children and, and in different ways at different ages. Um, what, well, the first one is the biggie, isn't it? Love. But everything that yeah. can be love can create all sorts of sub-feelings, if, we know, if you know what I mean. So yeah. talk us through the, some of these big emotions. Well, that's a, actually, that's a really great one to start with because our need for love is so fundamental to our well-being. That is, the need to be loved is just it's just important to us enormously. We can't function as adults if we're not loved. And, and our need for love is actually much greater than animals in some ways because we live much more complicated lives. And But we need that emotional care. But that can – so that can – a child can – show that by wanting a hug from its mum. It can show that it's sad when they dropped off at kindy. Um, but it can also show that they become very clingy and dependent. And you think, well, why is this? And, and, and that's always a warning sign. When you feel as an adult that the emotion expressed is somewhat inappropriate, then our reaction is sometimes to just stop that. You know, you don't need to be, don't be clingy. But in fact, a clingy child, which is actually expressing its need for love, if you actually do a cold analysis of their life, that is a clinical analysis of their life, nearly invariably you'll find that there was an episode in the life of their child that they just felt, you're not there for me. And somehow the neurology in that little brain remembers that and goes over and over it. You weren't there for me. And so they become dependent. On the other hand, it could be that you don't encourage autonomy and resilience. And you just keep on consoling the child when you should be saying, come on, let's go to school now, etc. So, so uh, love can 
take many forms. And, um, and of course, our children have to grapple with it. Like our adolescent children have to grapple with affection and falling in love and getting jilted and, and dealing with rejection. And often adults need to sit down with them and talk about that. We need to help them that, okay, you've fallen in love. You've got a crush on this particular girl and she doesn't want you. It's not the end of the world. It's just one a relationship we just start with. If we don't give them that, then some children are just lost in their emotional firestorms and they don't know how to deal with that. As Cecil so, Ashley always used to say, important though to validate by all means, um, put it in context, but rather than dismiss, you need to validate how strong their feeling is. That's what they need first and foremost. Yeah, Cecil Ashley was just so wise. That is so true. Like if you... If you if you show a child that this emotion is ridiculous or etc., you actually tell this child, well, as a biological organism, you are completely wrong. But they feel it's right. You know, I am in love with this person, and so to talk about it, how that feels, and to share your own experiences, and to show the intensity of their feelings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then to talk about your behaviour. You know, you keep on texting your girlfriend, but she doesn't want you. You just got to accept that it's a divorce. Let's um, look at that other very big, profound set of experiences that can be um, experienced quite young in, in, in childhood um, and in different ways. Loss and sadness and longing and grief. Um, these can, might come through a parental divorce. It might come through a parental death. Uh, it might come through um, you know, even less dramatic life events. This is the cluster of feelings that... Um, are often really hard even to recognise, let alone articulate fully. Yeah, especially, that's so wonderful you mentioned that, because loss very soon goes into anger um, because anger activates us to try and regain what we lost. And so often children's tantrums or say a teenager going through uh, where the parents go through a divorce and she's really angry against a boyfriend or angry about this, what we don't realize that actually it's loss which is which is driving that and and again it's 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 a sitting down and accepting that you're angry say let's pretend we have a teenager who's angry about a divorce and 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 to sit down and sit and and bond with them and and take them for lunch and go for a walk and then and then talk about it and then it is such a relief for a person when somebody says are you feeling such and such They've guessed correctly. Are you feeling angry? And then they can say it. Yeah, I'm really angry. I'm really angry about this and angry about that. And and and, and they they accept it. And once you accept that front, that top emotion, then often they start revealing their real emotions. That how sad they are. And then you say, I understand. It's it's it is sad. We are sad. You are sad. And then you can console them. And then you give them that what they really wanted, which was love. And so we go back to the original discussion we had that love drives many of our emotions, which drive behaviors trying to get love. And so an angry teenager accepting and talking and validating often leads back to what they're really talking about. Um, joy, happiness, contentment, sometimes this is about um, understanding these things are a roller coaster. They can even be chemical highs, aren't they? Um, yes. And, and yes. just to keep them keep them in context with with um, um, the reality that there'll be plenty of lows as well. But um, 
it's wonderful for children to experience them and you don't want to sort of, uh, this is a different kind of family that can sometimes crush any kind of joy or excitement or pride because, you know, um, we don't do that kind of thing or keep yeah. it all in check. Or, But yeah. actually it's lovely for them to experience those moments where um, sheer human elation can be experienced. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's a, a really interesting example you brought up. Catherine, because in some families, when children are happy, they get put down, and some adults do that, and it's it's actually jealousy. It's a jealousy about you know why are you happy when I'm not happy. <laughs> That's a it's it's completely wrong. We should rejoice when people are happy, and and be content. Uh, you know, one family I was dealing with, the the grandchild came home and she had had all these badges for all her all her achievements, and it was just a joy to see her so happy. And the adults around it were all sort of so happy for her. That's great. When a child feels when I'm myself and I'm happy, and then I get put down they lose confidence in the relationship quite deeply and and they lose confidence and maybe I'm not entitled to be happy. So, yeah, I totally agree. Well, also, it's that, you know, the too-big-for-your-boots type family where um, ambition is crushed or excitement is crushed and that is sometimes perhaps wanting to protect someone from disappointment. But I think letting people experience a little of that kind of excitement or ambition um, can be important as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're, um... you're right. So right, Catherine. I think uh, what what drives some families is there. This the parent, the parents haven't done work on themselves, and they are they are continuing what they've experienced. And so the put downs and the uh, and the it's all based on sort of I want to control who you are rather than I want to grow you like a like you know I want to build you up like a building. That's one parenting model which is wrong. It is you are growing a tree. Let it grow. And so the family needs to think about that. Why am I negative? Why do I feel angry when my child or my sibling is happy? It's another whole topic we're going to do, fear, anxiety, worry, apprehension, desperation and stressed out because there's just way too much in our kids' lives and it's um, becoming evident, um, I think, even this year just yeah. how serious uh, some situations are getting. We might deal with it entirely on its own. Do you, yeah, I'd agree. Do you want to talk us, have you got some tips um, that you want to, um, or specific tips that you want to do, Joseph, or have we covered most of them when it comes? We've come... covered most of them, Yeah. but I think what the, the readers, what my listeners would find it helpful is to realise that the emotion is a biological shortcut to which drives a certain behaviour. And and you you saying we won't do it, it just that doesn't work. You got to you got to engage with it. You just got to engage with it, and you just got to stay patient and caring and, and and kind to your children. You can guide them and say it's unacceptable you swearing and you cannot kick your mum and all that kind of thing. But you keep on engaging the child with the feelings and why the feelings are there and what can you do about it to get a better result rather than your instinct let you, you your instinct can't run you you've got to guide it you can't stop it but you have to guide it all of us have to learn how to count that 10 seconds and get out yeah. of the sort of red mist phase yeah can totally. you overtly talk about that perhaps with older children who have a real problem with temper can you 
talk almost, um, you know, intellectually to them? Is there any point in that about what they're experiencing and, and why trying some things might help? Oh, that's huge. Uh, that's a wonderful question because, in fact, if you look at our, our human brain, we've got this this court, this, the base, the limbic brain, which is the base of our whole animal existence, which is, in fact, incredibly important. And then we've got quite a thin layer of a cortex, which is all associated with language. And we, as humans, uh, govern our emotions through language. And so empowering our children with language is really important and so what I propose that some parents need to consider that they just need to realize that there needs to be a regular number of talks which are positive calm not when the child is in a rage where you just calm them down like when the child is in a rage you say just please calm down but that you open up a discussion how the child can self-talk and self-manage their rages. And and you just gotta keep on repeating. You realize that when you make comments like that or you attack a person like that, that there will be repercussions, that there will be reactions, and you don't want that. There must be a better way. So constantly talking, allowing the child to feel their feelings, but then articulate a conceptual framework how to manage them. That is a really cool way. And what I found from my experience dealing with difficult children is that it, it was incredibly helpful for me to accept that there was going to be a number of conversations. And so I just accepted them and I asked them to come back to my office and talk with me. And then they would went go away again. But then I would call them up two weeks later and say, have you had any further thoughts about it? I learned that a succession of discussions was way more, way more effective than one intense one. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Joseph. And if you would um, want to um, perhaps come back another time that suits on the fear, anxiety, worry, apprehension and stress. Uh, it's just been such a year and I, it's come on top of matters that we were already, already worrying about with our yep. kids, right? The whole 24-7 switched on, the whole, yes. you know, constantly under surveillance and scrutiny thing that is their lives now. Yep. Um, love to talk about that. Thank you very much. Joseph we'll Dreesen, education consultant.